Welcome to Stepside. Joel Johnson and me, Matt Howie. Each week we talk about truck news, truck-related items, our favorite trucks, everything trucks. Trucks, trucks, trucks. Let's go. unprecedented quick episode boom <laughs> why did we record it the night before the Tacoma <laughs> news we could have just put it off for a day but hey we're here we're back because we have a promise to our audience that we will always take the time we synthesize all the information that we we're able to find we do deep reports a little business intelligence and then we come back and we say i like the green one it's been a week or two and i've heard a lot of things and learned a lot of things and Probably for the first two days, it was just a fog of war of like nobody knew anything and everything was just up in the air. And now, a couple weeks later, we do have some reflection time. It's good. Yeah, the launch wasn't a real launch insofar as like, I don't think they're even going to start shipping until the end of the year. No pricing, Uh, no ordering, no fuel economy. Fuel economies always last, but sometimes they boast about it before and they were mum. So that must be... No, it's a bad sign. I know, like it's going to be like 20 to 22, I bet, maybe, and with all the air dams and stuff. Initial fuel economy has come out for... So the only midsize that launched this year that's out this year so far is Colorado, Colorado Canyon Twins. And the initial... I haven't seen any real world yet, but some of the initial stuff was saying like 18 combined or something. Ooh, like, not okay. great. Is that a four-cylinder? Yeah, it's on... It's a, wow. it's a turbo four. And uh, Ranger, you know, will probably be a little better, one presumes. It's a little smaller, seems a little more aerodynamic. I mean, just a little bit. It's, it's anybody's guess. And then Tacoma in, well, let's start from the top. So they, yeah. they, had, a, they had a program in Hawaii, and <laughs> right, they had right. three trucks, and they didn't let anybody drive them. They were basically production pre-pro mules that they... Got to get the story out there just to let everybody know, hey, we're, we're finally doing this thing. Yeah, we're really close. There was a bunch of trims. Like, you know, the, the yeah. way that I framed it was basically like they're turning this, they're doing a 9-11 strategy where they're like, great, we have this really popular product. And instead of making anything else within this segment, let's just make, I think there's literally six, five or six different trims. Uh, so you have the SR at the bottom. I don't know, or maybe it's an SR5 at the bottom now. I'm not sure. Then no, you have, SR is at the bottom, bottom. And then you have the TRD off-road and sport trim. Yeah, right, right. At one point, we're the top end trims. And there is a pre-runner somewhere in the middle that's two-wheel drive. But we can that's get right. That there later. is still a two-wheel drive pre-runner. And then there is a limited, which is, they've always, or they've had a limited for a long Fancy, time. And too it's, much chrome, yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, kind of a dad dad truck thing. Yeah. And then up oh, at the top. Oh, now they said TRD Pro for Baja High Speed Desert. And then Trail Hunter for overlanding and rock crawling. Sport. That's exactly right. Yeah. The TRD Pro used to be the tippy tippy top. And now they went one one lap. Well, they're, they're, I think they're phrasing it as, I, although I think pricing on TRD Pro might end up being a, a, a tiny bit cheaper. But they're saying essentially TRD Pro now is for desert running mm-hmm. and Trail Hunter is for overlanding off-road focus. But both of these are... They are all doing things that you could emulate with aftermarket yeah. for the most part with lower end, in lower end trims. Right. I, I will say this. I thought the most interesting thing that they did across the entire line 
was that almost every single vehicle trim has a different suspension setup, like down to different brands of suspension. There's Fox on some, there's, there's Old Man Emu. There's leaf there's springs on some. There, yeah, the lower ones have, have leaf springs. Yeah. Uh, it's really surprising you know, for like a Japanese car company to carry like six lines of suspensions on a, a single truck model. I mean, well, six models, but this isn't, first of all, it's not a global product. Like, it's true. The global product is the Hilux. The, we yeah, are the only country, or North America is the only country or zone that gets the Tacoma. So I, I literally think they went, look, we sell a quarter of a million of these things a year. We could probably push that up to three, 350. And we just let's just- more options. Yeah, let's just make a bunch more of these things. And I don't know uh, about you, but like I know a lot of weekend warrior kind of friends that just aren't tinkers. And they all want like overland vehicles, but they have no idea where to even start, like who to even talk to or how much anything costs and getting one off the lot. That's like 90% of the way there. And it's all under warranty and it's all financeable. That's pretty rad. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like Subaru and Toyota Chevy too, a little bit have just been chasing the aftermarket where like anything, the cool tinker maker people do to their stuff they just incorporate it into the product line so anybody off the street can buy it and like that's the best way to go i mean that's the way cars always go it's the way it always goes all the way back to like the 50s. dealer options like sports cars and yeah I, you know i you know what you know what's weird i didn't see a two-wheel i mean i saw the pre-runner they didn't show like a work truck they didn't show like a twenty-two thousand dollars strip like are they even gonna make a two-wheel drive i do see that like I, I'm guessing the regular cab is gone, and it's just like the plus extra cab, which no longer has weird half doors on the. It's just that's like, right. They, that's kind of cool that there's like it's a fucking two door, and you, your friends do not want to be back there, and it's a pain in the ass, which is fine. And then the four door, but my worry is I think everything above you know forty thousand dollars probably gonna be four door only, because I was like, man, a trail hunter if it was. The shorter wheelbase, that'd be kind of cool. Probably go most places a Jeep could, but... Um. Yeah, it's not clear to me, but generally, because they build less of the top-end trims, you don't get to make as many choices. Yeah. Also, I'm sure if you look at the numbers, like it's probably 10 to 1 that get four doors. Uh, but, yeah. you know, kudos to, to, to Toyota. They have a two-door and a four-door still. They also have a five foot and six foot bed option on yeah. almost everything, if yeah, not everything. So they're, you know, out of everything that's coming out, you know, the, the GM and Ford both went four doors, five foot bed, done. That's all yeah, one yeah. making. No and, and, you know, Tacoma and Toyota said, all right, we're going to keep a ton of options within here and add even some more within the trims. Here's where I, I mean, I took out my gum. Like I'm ready to, I'm ready to, to, to be a piece <laughs> I came of shit. here, talk shit about Toyotas and chew gum and yeah. guess what? <laughs> yeah. Actually I have plenty of gum. So oh, oh. yeah, <laughs> I brought, I brought, it up brought for enough for the class. All 10 of our listeners, the it's, it's plug ugly. I think it's a real ugly design. I am not feeling any of it. And I had sat with that for a couple of weeks now. Huh. And yeah, man, I just I guess my first gut was, ugh. it looks like the clunky low poly tundra but tinier i don't know maybe after a week i was like trail hunter looks pretty rad and green <laughs> it, i mean look it's fine and it definitely looks better than the tundra i still haven't warmed up to the tundra redesign yeah it's but pretty hideous. yeah it's it's i don't know it's just not doing it for me that's all subjective i you know when i looked online i could i could barely find anybody that was complaining about the way it looked everybody seemed real excited but it's still a little angular for me it's real thick 
Like yeah. it's real. It 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 has like a thickness that doesn't scream Tacoma to me. But also, uh, I'm thinking like the CBI guys up in Idaho that make like high clearance bumpers. Like mm-hmm. you're gonna be cutting so much of that plastic away to make it work off road. <laughs> like I was like, it's really plasticky, and it's real. Like both ends kind of come down pretty low, and like man, there's gonna be so much to cut. Like six months from now, well, a year from now, when there's cool shit out, it'll probably be you know you probably make quite a rock crawler out of one but you're gonna be cutting a lot of plastic yeah That's- some of them like trd pro like the plastic cladding up front has has like cutouts for the wheels you know on either side and i look these are gonna be great trucks like there's yeah. just there's no way they screw these up besides some stuff like they did with the tundra where there was like the new transmission problems and there were yeah, some engine, engine problems was like kinda- They'll have some funkiness there, but I mean, it is uh, a new weird hybrid four-cylinder turboed out. In the top-end trims, there is a yeah. there is a mild like, hybrid, uh, not untested. a plug-in hybrid. Right. Toyota's built a million hybrids. That doesn't seem to be the problem, but but the the problem with the Tundra was programming, uh, and I think some oh. physical stuff on the transmissions as well. They'll sort it out. I mean, you know, this is first-year problems in general. I, I I look at these things and I go. I like them fine. Any little quibbles I have about them, I would totally let go of if they were cheap. But I yeah, just, everything good. I'm looking <laughs> they at They won't like, even talk about price. So, you know, I was guessing the Trailhawk will be like 60 grand. The Trail bet, Hunter, yeah. Yeah. The TRD Pro will probably still be like 52 or something. But like, good luck getting it from a dealer for less than 55 and stuff like that. But yeah, I was a little dismayed they didn't give price ballparks. They didn't give miles per gallon ballparks. There's also some just real funky bits that they added that I, I like the seats in the in the TRD Pro. <laughs> yeah, those are weird. Have independent suspension. Well, independent. I mean, I guess it's not independent. I don't know how they're you like call seat seats. suspensions. But yeah, they're basically two, two gas struts in the back of the seats that can be dialed up or dialed down that are supposed to at you know account for jounce as you're going off road and then that way your head stays you know level i mean i will say i love the fact that the trd pro model launches white exterior red interior like i always love that combo yeah but it's i mean does anybody need that seat is it actually real like yeah, is it gonna make any use it's like a it's like a weird baja race design but just made for like show for regular people it feels like gamer chairs to me that's exactly what i was gonna say where you're like you know the two holes are for a four-point harness in a real race car and have no nothing to do with gaming right well Uh, and and you know to that end there's no front locker uh, no front locker even in the trail hunter oh the worst these are still pretty primitive from a structural yeah. powertrain standpoint. So my favorite YouTuber in off-road world is this engineer. I love I love when people turn out to be secret engineers, like a, the friend who runs Metal Tech is like a hardcore engineer. And when you start talking about like air lockers versus electric, like he has lots of thoughts and like he rigs his stuff to have triple failovers and <laughs> like his air lockers, he loves air lockers and he has a like a, everything goes south. He has two different compressors, one for tires, one just for the lockers but if all that goes out he made like a screw in a co2 cartridge from like you know oh, like inflating a, a bike tire yeah. like worst case scenario we have no electronics nothing but if i need a front locker i can just like squeeze a little co2 and get boom get it to lock so there's this youtube guy called tinker's adventure and i think i mentioned him before because he had these great he had a great series on how independent front suspensions work like versus straight action swaps and it's like painstaking like this guy is like a 
I would guess he's like in probably the healthcare, making like, like, like real engineering things like MRI machines and shit. And he talks about like how most lift kits don't give you any more travel, like IFS Toyota stuff. That just you actually kind of lose like some of your articulation when you start That's lifting right. them. Yeah. But like he he was like his thing his bugaboo was when it launched. He like did a video and he was like. Okay, the most interesting thing to me is the Trail Hunter is three and a half inches wider. I think the Trail Hunter and the TRD Pro, three and a half inches wider than the other trims. How did they do that? And he's like, here's how Chevy and Bison do it. Like, you know, they put in new CV shafts, new upper control arms, new lower control arms. They make them bulky. You know, these things need to physically be three inches longer. And they were at Overland Expo, the Toyotas, like probably three or four days after the debut. So regular people could have seen him in Flagstaff, and he was there. He talked to a cornered a Toyota engineer, and they admitted to him, it's like wheel offset in plastic. Oh, no. <laughs> and, he, and so it's three and a half inches wider just for looks. It's complete bullshit on the Trail Hunter. And the worst part is he was like going through the Hilux specs in Australia. You can get some super-duper off-roady, overlandy one, which comes with all new, like thousands of dollars worth of new A-arms. Like, it's literally a physically wider track. And so he's like, fuck, why did the Australians get a better, a bet, a beast version, and we don't? And, like, yeah, it's just, you know, they're going to sell it crazy in America. But I was a little bummed that they didn't, like, that's a little showy. But I, I just went back. I opened up the website and counted the trims. There is both an SR and an SR5, so there is a total mm-hmm. of eight trims now. <laughs> eight this different is, trims. This feels like... This feels like 2006 and like GM going, we're going to make 700 versions of the Tahoe or something. It's the most, no one's ever going to not buy a giant SUV and then like gas prices changed and the whole, and like the market's crashed. But like, it feels like they're going, they're going so far down this path. I hope they don't lose sight of, like, you know, I don't know. It's dangerous when someone goes all in on one design and yeah. I mean, I, people totally want to buy them and they're, they're totally fine. And, and there will be, they sell so many that people will sell the hardware to actually beef them up the way they need to be built, depending on what your use case is. But I think like a TRD off-road, which has always been the sweet spot in the third gen, because you get a locker and everything else you can replace. I bet getting out of the door with a TRD off-road at this point for less than 50 is going to be tough. Impossible. And like, I just, I'm, I'm, dude, I'm losing hope that I'm going to buy one of these mid-size, these new mid-sizes because I'm just looking I'm still at a point where the most rational one is the GM choices because they are relatively reasonably priced and availability isn't too crazy. Uh, also, you know, the very best suspension. Of- yeah, I mean it depends. I look that Multimatic suspension in the in the ZR2 and AT4X is extremely good. However, if you do go look into people that bought the first gen ZR2s. Well, not the first gen, but you know what? The last yeah. ones when they relaunched the truck, people blow those out. Like people, they do wear out. Like Oof. they are still just shocks at the end of the day. But they're they're great. They're it's it's pro- it is probably the best off the you know factory floor uh, thing. But uh, you know you're still looking at a ZR2 with tax with everything loaded is sixty. Yeah. And you know the the Ranger Raptor. I still <laughs> I've been talking to some folks about that. Trying to see what availability is going to be. You know, you're still looking at 6065. If in the best case, if you can get something without ADM, 
And also for reasons that I won't go into now, like I'm less can I'm, I'm looking at this less as like selling the 911 or selling something else and more of like, let me just buy a truck and just, you know, if I sell the 911 later, great. But I just, I'm having a real hard time squaring the circle on the prices on these things because I, I don't even know that like money's gonna get, you know, more expensive again. Like if, they, if, if we will have deflation and things will, will ch get cheaper. I'm just looking at like, what do I need? What do I need? Yeah. And it's really hard for me to justify 60, 70 grand when frankly, in my case, if I, if I wanted to throw 60 or 70 grand into something, I could take my 911 60 and 70 grand and go buy a brand new 911. <laughs> like, and then or I would have I that. Would, I mean, now that they've come out, they're all great options. They all have great ideas in them. I would say in the Tacoma, I'm really like, I love the trail hunter ideas, you know, like bedside lighting, like all these weird things. The Bluetooth speaker is your center channel speaker, but also pops out at the beach. Like that's kind of fun. There's a lot of great ideas in those things, but man, I like things just so. And, at this point, I would just buy something that's three or four years old for well. So that's my thing too, where I'm up. looking at the I'm looking at this stuff, and I'm like, I, I think part of this is just like where I'm at in my journey. <laughs> but like, I like the tinkering and the customization, yeah. and as they add stuff from the aftermarket culture baked into the truck, you know, there's some things like screens or whatever that are always going to be better from the factory than you do right. aftermarket. But at least from an integration standpoint, but but yeah, all the lights and all the way those things work, like. I'm, you're paying 2x, 3x, yeah, you know, easily. markup for all of those little pieces added together. And, you know, especially when it comes to things like lights, I, I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but I'm like a massive buy the cheapest light you can like person because you rarely actually use them in a day to day. And if you don't have maximum vision, but it costs one tenth the price of like a light force or a <laughs> yeah, yeah, rigid yeah. or something like, yeah. great, just buy another one, like you're <laughs> fine. But also for me, it's like, I enjoy all of that. It makes the truck my own. Whereas I look at a trail hunter and I'm like, I mean, that's just, it's, it's, it's already done. And yeah. the capabilities are there. But yeah, it's it's in, it's, in nerd it's culture. This is like buying RAM from Apple versus just buying it two weeks later at like half the price off Amazon and then plugging it in yourself. Like, or like that, buying a gaming PC that has all of the yeah. lights and everything all pre-wired instead or, of like building your own. Yeah, which system. is like you'll save three or four hundred often if you just do it yourself. Yeah, like I mean, there's there is like good quality ARB products on like these Toyotas and like they're putting Baja designs lights on them. But yeah, they're charging two to three times the amount and you don't get all the cool customization. Like all my shits on the, the, the switch pros and it's like keyed off of the high beams so I can automatically turn on six different sets of lights, you know, when the high beams come on, it's rad. And you can't do that with any of these factory things. But yeah, I was like, there's a lot of great ideas in the Toyota and it's getting really close. I, it's kind of like, the Forester, the Subaru Wilderness Editions, you know, it's kind of like we're going to see a lot of them on the road, a lot of people camping in them because they're like get you 90% of the way there of what you want to do. Yeah, so yeah, I think they're going to be pricey. I don't think they're going to get that great of gas mileage. <laughs> I don't think they're going to be super hardcore. My personal problem is like my Jeep is pretty hardcore. It's amazing. I just did the Jeep badge trails in Oregon. There's two of them. Uh -huh. and it was a nightmare, and I am going to like do a video. Just like getting to them is hard, and doing them <laughs> is like there's no cell service for 20 miles. 
Google Maps and Apple Maps like send you 50 miles out of your way like to private roads like it the whole thing's a shit show and I literally had to read like forum comments to be like oh yeah so put in this other geolocation then go up this road and like this is how you really get to the trailheads but like the Jeep the Jeep's amazing off-road but it's a terrible daily driver like it's so loud inside like not comfortable that's why I was like, man, maybe a trail hunter, and if it could rock crawl a little bit, it'll get close to what a Jeep can do, and it'll be comfy and quiet and have new tech inside. But, yeah, I think I'm I'm good, and I'm just going to run this Jeep into the ground and not buy a comfy daily driver truck instead. Uh, yeah, because... it's looking like I'm going to be doing a lot more travel over the next couple of years, depending mm-hmm. on what some of these contracts are, and, like, you just know, find I'm, a kitted out like 2018 Ranger or something with like all yeah, the I mean, safety I'm still, options. I'm still looking at I'm still looking at 2019 and up Rangers as like a default. I, I'm it's kind of my it's on me now because prices have started to drop a little bit. But you know, to me, what I want to pick up, I want to spend about 30 grand. That's what I want to spend, and like I'll probably drop another 20 grand in parts and upgrades Make in it. it but like, yeah. you know, I I, I want to start in more in that range yeah. and every time i'm looking at all of these these trucks these new trucks it's really hard for me to justify the new price and then part of this is my own fault because there will be something where it'll be like well i could get a new ranger or a new colorado without a locker and then put a locker in later but in my head i'm like well if i'm gonna spend 40 grand i might as well spend 60 grand because yeah. like you know why not just like get the thing it's nice having a button on your steering wheel that does it sorry yeah. pre-wired i do want to briefly mention the the new they so you know when they launched the colorado early this year and they're finally starting to ship zero two hasn't shipped yet but everything else i think is starting to hit hit the hit the floor and which which one's the bison is that like? the bison is the tick above zr2 so when they okay. launched zero two they had gosh what do they call it desert boss i think yeah yeah which right. was basically just an options package like yeah. here's all the the bolt-on stuff and it was a one-year only package fine but then whatever. the bison stuff in the past it's been like actual aev like extra the bison stuff, stuff has always been legit and yeah. so what what the bison program is and they're continuing it with this 2024 bison zr2 bison is everything you get in a zr2 plus a bunch of what are effectively bolt-on parts from aev but they're all custom designed for this vehicle and the stuff they tend to add is stuff you really do want like you would you're going to do it somewhere else so it's got front steel bumper winch ready the best coolest thing really frankly the only cool thing is or only unique thing is they added multi-matic built bump stops hydraulic bump stops oh right yeah uh, for the truck as well which you know i people always there's a lot of stuff that when you look and people have built Icon and I think was one of the first had like a, a hydraulic bump stop. A lot of people like don't even think about bump stops as being like a major investment in a truck. How much are they? Like a thousand bucks or something? The uh, hydraulic ones? Yeah, I think they tend to be. I, I don't know. I haven't priced anything out in a few years, but like yeah. you could get you could get both sides for, yeah, somewhere in that neighborhood. But even just good foam bump stops, like upgraded bump stops make such a difference to comfort and your ability to actually like you could jump this thing (laughs) moving back and forth off road like you know the fact that you're not hitting metal on metals uh, or you know suspension on frame when you're way off way off camber is oh that was that was the best option on the upper end toyotas was sway bar disconnect 
Yeah, which was really interesting. With such a what such a weird that's thing what the, to have in the vehicle. So, so no, it's great, dude. My Jeep when you only works up to like twenty two miles an hour. When you're below that and you're crawling, you turn it off and you get like way more articulation. It's, oh, I'm not against the oh, tech. Yeah. Like that makes perfect sense no, to that, me. It was just strange they didn't have a front locker, but they have sway bars. <laughs> yeah, I would have wanted both. But uh, but the funniest part was the Tinker engineer guy was going. I've done these tests on every Toyota in my driveway, and he he shows them doing like articulation tests. He was getting like seventy percent more articulation when he removes the sway bars off like an FJ Cruiser, like Lexus GXs, and like third gen and second gen Toyotas. So he was saying when he talked to the Toyota people, they offered well once it's disconnected, you're gonna get like ten percent more articulation, and he's like, yeah, it wasn't very much. He's like that's what are you guys doing because it should be almost double like it should be drastically different but yeah anyways yeah this colorado is beautiful wow it's they're real nice looking trucks there's man. no price it's probably i mean the, the zr2 loaded is like 54 oh, before yeah. tax be so you figure 60. the bison it'll be around 60. 60 i mean i'm really curious it'll still be obviously like next year but yeah. i'm really curious when all four of these new trucks or all three of these new trucks go up against each other in some real off-road stuff because i mean once again i think the chevy's are sort of the sleepers. They're the cheapest. They cut some classic GM corners, like the fact that they're not all, like they still have leaf springs and, you know, there's some of that stuff, but they're probably gonna be just, they, like they seem like they moved up a class in performance this generation, whereas everybody else has kind of stayed in the same place. Minus the Ranger, which of course gets the 2.7 V6 that will be an extra 50, 75 horsepower before a tune and everybody will throw a tune on it. I, you know, I'm, I'm still bummed about Ranger Raptor because like in my heart, I think that's the one that still calls to me the most because it's the one that I think would be the most fun as a daily yeah. because it, you know, like on the street, what am I going to do except go fast and yeah, like, you know, sounds burnouts and stuff. <laughs> and I'm sure, yeah, it sounds great from everything I've heard and it's all there, but yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see. There's two trucks that actually have kind of fallen into my into my possibility set. One, a, an old FJ40 that maybe loaned to me for a while to try to like be under my care to see if I can get it back in shape. And that would be fun to go run around with for a while. And then a couple of old Silverados actually, like just like 10 year old 1500s, nothing super fancy, but there's a couple of people that are like, hey, this truck's still in good shape, but I'm done with it and I'm not getting what I'd like for a trade-in. You know, we're looking at like 10, 15 grand at most. And so, you know, I'm starting to look at I'm starting to look at older stuff again, too, and just yeah. be like, you know, do I do I need to build the truck of my dreams or do I just need to get literally anything? And uh, <laughs> it's yeah, funny we'll, when we'll you see. get used to this. It's like I feel like I'm a contractor now. Like I know all the trade people to call to do each part and stuff like and then you get, yeah, I guess you get to the point where a custom house you built or something is in the cards because you know all the trade guys that are going to do each part of it that you're I mean, not good at. I think, I think I'm, I think, you know, look, who knows, right? It's been a year we've been doing the podcast. I still haven't bought anything, but like <laughs> it made even worse because literally like three days ago, a, a neighbor that I hadn't met yet came over and introduced herself. And she's like, you know, we have a four by eight trailer. You're welcome to borrow anytime. And I'm like, well, that solves a bunch of problems real quick for me. So great. But, you know, I, I feel like I'm still kind of erring towards a, a two truck solution, which will be something, you know, sooner than later that is not going to be a forever truck, but it's just something I can have for truck truck purposes. 
and then start highway, to build yeah highway cruiser that has rate adaptive cruise control like that really limits your options but yeah i'd have to go new for that yeah. and so like the ranger's the best within that space but i i i may end up just building a super camper that takes me like three years to turn around that i just kind of keep working on bit by bit and do something super custom that and i'll do some of the work myself and farm some of it out and make it more about the cross-country camper drives than like really worrying about you know like having it also be a daily yeah but uh, yeah I, I i i was ready for the tacoma to be i was ready for the tacoma to be it and they didn't have the plug-in hybrid which was going to be one of my you know that would have been decision a diff- makers. that would be like a whole a characteristic no one else could touch i heard since we love to break news on the Stepside <laughs> podcast, I heard from a not person that I, a single source that I can say is legitimate, but not guaranteed. But he had been here, has been hearing that year two of Ranger may get a plug-in hybrid because the context was this: everybody that is trying to do EVs, and obviously Ford is trying to do a bunch of EV work is real well first of all ev sales are kind of stagnating at the moment like they'll, they'll go back up but just in the last quarter or so they've gone flat but there's also supply chain problems where just getting the batteries built is starting to get a little trickier and so a lot of people are starting to look at plug-in hybrid again just to get us through the next few years which of course as we've said before i i'm a huge fan of yeah and so you know a, a 40 mile electric ranger that can then also you know do whatever else and if they do it as a ranger raptor version as well then like that allows them to do even more torque you know bigger bigger numbers so fairly decent source on that but like certainly nothing guaranteed and it was also like fairly far pointed in the in the future but does yeah. the first year need to sell really well to be able to support that program or I yes, don't, maybe if the first year doesn't sell well, they'll go, we got to try something new. <laughs> these things are generally already planned out. Like the powertrain choices, you know, many, many manufacturers start with powertrain and then they work backwards right. from, from there. So it, this is probably sorted already. Like Farley said yesterday that they're spinning up more Maverick production because they Finally. you know can't sell there or they can't you know they're selling everyone that they make yeah you know we're just we're still in this time where they just can't make enough stuff and also uh, most of the OEMs are happy to n- still be able to retain a premium in the short term and the margin on these things they're, they they don't want to get into a pricing war right right the other big news, did you see all the VW must have dropped their embargo on the electric bus? You know, the Yeah, ID. they had a they had a little it wasn't a drive program, but yeah, they brought people out to California and showed the US spec. What is it called? It's the ID I, ID Buzz. ID Buzz. Buzz. That's so right. it's a long wheelbase, like ninety kilowatt battery for America, which is great. I thought I would like the shorter one better because it just looked nice and tight, but it'll never be sold in America. The European ones they showed six months ago which apparently are going into German production like end of the summer. Like you can actually buy one in Germany. But the long wheelbase one is going to be like optional in Europe, you know, if you want like extra space. I think it looks amazing. I think it looks right. Like I thought 
oh, if they make this thing a foot longer, it's going to look so weird. But to me, now the European one looks weird and stubby. <laughs> and the funny part is, like, my wife is going to order one day one. <laughs> because we've had this long-standing thing where, like, probably in the 90s, do you know the whole story of, I can't remember the famous designer, I have a VW head friend who told me this story years ago, but, you know, in the late 90s, they had some hotshot ass designer in Germany, like, come up with the new Beetle. The same guy came up with the new Beetle, he came up with the Carmen Ghia, and he came up with the bus. And then, so the Beetle was a massive hit in the late 90s, it's fun, you know, I like them, even though they're goofy. And then the Carmen Ghia, it was too expensive to make, so they handed it off to the Audi division, and it became the TT. That's supposed to be a Carmen Ghia. Okay. And then, like, 2001, they showed a microbus that was, like, like a jelly bean. It was really swoopy. It was beautiful. And my wife saw it. was just like, fucking A. I would buy that tomorrow, like, if they ever make it. And then it, I think they said something like, this is in $2,001 even. They said, like, we can't sell this thing for less than, like, 60 grand. No, There was no such thing as a minivan that cost 60 grand back then. Like, you know, 35 was the tops in 2001. So they just shelved it. And then, yeah, they started playing with the electric concepts like five years ago. My wife was like, oh, damn. Oh, damn. And then I just pulled up YouTube, and she happened to be in the room, and they, there was like a perfect blue two-tone. The two-tone ones look amazing. They've got like green, orange, yellow, blue. And the blue is amazing. The interiors, it's they're showing blue. off for It looks orange. exactly the same as the Porsche's GT3 launch color. Yeah, and like... My wife saw it and was just like, holy shit, when can I order that? And I was like, well, I mean, probably this fall and maybe next summer we could get it. But, like, yeah, I'll uh, talk to the VW dealer. But, like, they're not taking orders or anything. But they had cool, quirky interiors, you know, with orange accents everywhere. That's also a thing my, my wife loves. But yeah, like, we will totally get one. I don't know if we need a giant minivan, but she was like, holy shit, it's the most beautiful. She always wanted a microbus in the 60s, like a 23 window, a safari windows and all that shit. But those things are like a hundred grand now because there's so few left. So she was just not like fun to own either. Oh my god, two hundred fifty mile EV that's like got plenty of room for everything, and you can tear stuff out of it. Like holy crap! Like I think that's the one. So yeah, I'm guessing they're probably they didn't talk about pricing. I would guess they're gonna be like sixty. It yeah that that will be a sixty to seventy yeah. in in that neighborhood. They'll sell them all day long though. Yeah. I think like I'm not I'm not a I've just never had a microbus fascination. Like I like them fine, but like I like other vans better. But when I saw those, the ID Buzz, I was like, yeah, I like I can. I, this is kind of calling to me, and I'm not in the market for this thing. Yeah, and uh, the interiors are nice. The like dash controls are nice. There's still a lot of touchscreen like for AC and shit, but they have dedicated buttons for it, separate from. It, I think it's, it's it's not as bad as the Rivian was, which just like everything on the screen has to be controlled through the screen. I think nice. it's it's also one of those things. You know, this doesn't necessarily guarantee like a long product life cycle and success there, but it has a personality mm-hmm. which almost nothing else does. Right. And so EVs, I suppose, can be a little better, especially because Hyundai, you know, is spicing things up. But like, I I feel like they'll they'll sell as many as they can make for the first couple of years because of people that you know between nostalgia between the fact that it looks unique and also it looks very practical like it's a van if you have kids you can do stuff with but it like, still, yeah, second still and that. third row slide like forwards and backs and tilt like that's pretty versatile you can take out the third row they had a full-on like bed like i mean queen bed when you put everything down and it had yeah. a rear platform what else because they said the launch spec is going to be crazy like massage seats and like ventilated fronts like 
that's like VW's never had anything like that. So that's why I'm like, man, maybe these things are gonna be 75 grand. But yeah, it just looked like looks fun as hell. I think it's just like, I mean, my wife loved the like 1998 Beetle just because it was like fun looking and like it was, yeah. you know, it's not a great car. It was just like fun. It was, you great. know, what? that's actually one of my like weird kink cars is not the reboot Beetle, the one that came out in the late 90s, but the second generation of that that they ran until fairly recently. I think they yeah, like cut it like five years, years ago, ago or something. Mm-hmm. I think that car is really handsome. I think it's cooler looking than anything, any Beetle, you know, the, the original ones are just icons. They're their yeah. own thing. But like it has the same problem that any reboot does where it's like, I think it looks really amazing if you don't look at it as a, as a bug. I think if you just look at it as a car, I think it's really handsome. They had like a dune trim. They did some really cool wheel packages on them. I yeah, mean, the one dune of the last trim, ones was, was like a silly, but... sort of Southern California Baja bug looking thing. And I was yeah. like, that is cool. Like, like this is not a sand rail, but it looks really cool. No, I think they're, I think they're a real handsome design. I, I feel very similar to the, about that about the TT, the last generation TT, because yeah. I did three gens of the TT. And that last one I think is just gorgeous. But it was already, I don't know, long in the tooth. Like people had just decided they never quite, quite wanted it. But yeah, I mean, I, I am excited for that. I'm excited for that bus. Like I, I could, I could absolutely see being happy, like driving something like that around. And there needs to be. I mean, is that the first fully V van, like van or minivan? I mean, not you know, outside of like shipping and, and yeah, logistics yeah. I, think I mean i guess the ford be. transit probably is but yeah it's probably the first like consumer i mean everyone i know with a big family has a chrysler plug-in hybrid pacific oh man i have to tell you a little story there was our our little town here on the hudson had its like summer fest with a parade and it was like so cute i like almost got teary because i was just like how this is cartoonishly adorable but they did a the the car club I guess did, which I didn't even know we had a car club, did a parade and it was the most hilarious mix of cars because there was no theme at all and there were only like eight cars and it was like an old, like a like a Mach 1 Mustang, a lady had like a really nice SL Mercedes, like a, like a late 80s, early 90s one. Like the little 450s uh, or... Yeah, like and I didn't look at what the engine was, but yeah, something like that. And then a Rivian, huh. a the one of the big local contractors drove their electric Ford Transit, you know, with their full livery like on it. And then an AutoZam AZ1, the little K car that looks kind of like a NSX with the gull, gullwing oh, yeah, doors yeah, yeah, yeah. and a couple <laughs> other things. But it was just like the most random thing ever where it was just like here are the eight guys in town who have something weird (laughs) and like and and they're gonna drive and then behind it like nine fire trucks but yeah it was it was it was pretty my my walmart walmart parking lot has this impromptu cars and coffee on saturday mornings and it's random because there's no there's no organizer there's no theme and it's just nothing so a lot of 70s muscle cars sometimes someone brings like a 32 ford you know roadster and then a whole bunch of like hopped up trucks but like yeah there's no rhyme or reason to any of it i love it because it's just so weird like this guy's really into making a drag car out of a 76 vega okay like that's what he spends his weekends on cool yeah we have we have one of those up at bear mountain the big park <laughs> kind of first big outdoor area when you head up the hudson from new york city 
And they do that, I think, every weekend or every other weekend during the summer. And it is, yeah, it's just a complete grab bag of, of like, 90s tuner cars and then some new Porsches and then, like, a bunch of stuff. But my favorite thing for those kind of shows is, like, a lot of times people will show up with things that aren't done. Mm-hmm. And I actually really enjoy that, where they're yeah. like, yeah, I've been working on this for, like, a year and a half. It drives, obviously, because I drove it here. But, like, here's everything I'm doing. Here's everything I'm planning on doing. Like, those, those can be... I don't know, in some ways more fun than the genre or vehicle specific meets. Yeah. I do have a preview, I guess, which is Thursday morning. We're flying out of here at like 7 a.m. out of Newark to go to Seattle, where I was already planning on picking up a trailer from Mammoth, uh, who are the ones that are famous or infamous (laughs) for making the trailer that was like the... Apocalypse. air purification yeah. apocalypse thing with bear spray and yeah. cameras and all sorts of things i'm gonna get to play with that one i don't know that there is actually like i think there may just be one built and so i don't know if they're gonna let me take that out they may just have me take one of the more vanilla ones that they make which i'm still excited about everybody that has those trailers says they're incredible but hilariously what i called around to some oems to say hey do you have any tow vehicles in the seattle fleet the first people to respond was Ford, who said, yes, we have a F-150 Raptor R. Uh, do, do you think that would be able to tow your little trailer? And I was like, yeah, yeah probably would. <laughs> like, So it's going to be a very funny weekend where I'm going to be in a truck that probably already gets eight miles to the gallon (laughs) just like driving around yeah dragging a trailer i'm gonna do a little bit of i i I went on to onyx and like picked out a couple of shorter trails uh so i can at least do something i'm not a big fan of off-road trailers it's a skill thing for me like i I, i'm comfortable towing trailers but off-road i've just always found it to be it's already hard to turn around and if you get stuck it's like when things go wrong with the trailer they're extra wrong yeah but i always thought the approach was get to a campsite as quick as possible like use the minimal off-roading you need to do to drop it and then go wild yeah Yeah, i mean people do it different ways and i and i've done it like i've done it in, in arizona a few times like i've done it enough to know that it's not for me, <laughs> but you know, it's also, I'm sure like everything off road, you learn it and you get better and you get more comfortable with it, but it's going to be very funny because even just the Raptor R off road on real Pacific Northwest trails would kind of sketch me out because it's so wide and yeah, big. Maybe. So I, I just went to the, to Onyx and was like, I'll take everything from that's rated one to three that's like less than 20 miles. I went up the Olympic Peninsula like a month or two ago and wanted to do a little wheeling and check the Onyx. And like when I was near the actual Olympic Park, there was some like epic, super popular, like 25 mile into the hills trip. They just go up to a, a ridge line and then you turn around and come back. But everything over like 1,500 feet was soft in with snow. Yeah. And I eventually got to a wall of snow where nobody had d- gone in it this season. And it was just impossible. So I turned around. But I would think finally we're having lots of warm days. And I think Yeah, I, I think it should be okay. I was looking. So we got to end up in the gorge for a concert on Sunday night. That was like kind of how this whole trip started. And so I've been looking at stuff basically south of Hood and like just on, on that what would those be the cascades yeah and like uh, yeah i was gonna say are you gonna go olympic like east of seattle or come down it's like 
in, in Oregon, as long as you're not trying to go over a mountain, usually, like, you're fine. It's yeah. like there's all of those smaller hills and things, you know, in the range. And if you're just kind of going up and back or whatever you're doing, like, I, would, I think it'll be fine in June. I would say you would have to go east and go through the mountain passes, but it's absolutely beautiful. If you want to go from, like, Seattle to Hood River, you know, which is pretty south and east, you can either go straight down with everybody on 5 Freeway and then cut across and drive the gorge. Or you can go, like, over the passes and it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, it's alpine. It's beautiful as hell. Yeah, the passes, I should check. I would. I mean, I would you're going to have power are, for it. <laughs> well, I, I just mean clearance-wise. Oh, I presume yeah. that they're they're cleared out at this point. Because even yeah. it, it, it's the last time I was there with major snow in the Pacific Northwest, you know, by this time of year, even if there was still 10-foot snow walls on the, on the shoulders – it was cleared. Yeah. So like, it's not like you have to chain up or, you know, do anything too bad that, I mean, I haven't thinking about that. I haven't over planned this trip. Frankly, I've under planned it. I need to get on it. But that's the other thing that really complexified everything. It's like, initially I was like, I'm going to go two hours outside of Seattle, run around wherever I can go and just stay in that little zone. Thought about coming down to Oregon, saying hi to you and some other Portland friends. And then now that I've got this Raptor R, I'm like, is there a, desert running place that i can go and just drop the i mean there definitely are in washington eastern washington is but i'd have to go very far east to like get some open blm amazing with like a bahawed out truck yeah i really if i would have known this was the truck they were going to have in the fleet available i would have maybe made slightly different plans but (laughs) anyway stay tuned for that when do you have to fly back um we're leaving monday night on a red eye it's a real quick turnaround i i you know, it's been funny. I, you know, I barely write anymore and, and I'm certainly not, I don't think I'm smart enough or experienced enough to be like a car reviewer. I can always share my takes or whatever, but like, I'm not trying to do a buyer's guide, but I also, you know, Raptor R has been out. The reviews, you know, are done. It's on sale. It's been on sale. And so I've been trying to figure out, and of course, like what I'm going to write. And of course my, my instinct is to be like, this versus EVs or the chain, you know, the wastefulness or whatever. And as I've been kind of stewing on it the last couple of days, I'm like, well, that's fucking boring too. Like everybody, you know, it's like, I, I don't want to write a send off to the gas. You know, I'm like, I don't want any of this stuff. And so I don't know what it is yet, but I, but I feel like just really trying to talk about this 700 horsepower, full size, 130, $30,000 truck probably when it's all said and done just as a $130,000 vehicle and like what it's like to just be in it for a while is I know that's in theory that's just me describing what all car reviews are but there's there's got to be something there that's not like framing it in space because I think the way I'm looking at it is like there's no way to actually talk about this thing as a rational realistic <laughs> thing except it really exists yeah. And it really does, you know, it, it does what it does. So, yeah, going to be I'm fun. I'm curious gonna to be hear your time. thoughts after your time behind the wheel with it, if it sells you on the new, new Ranger or reminds you to well, you know build what? up something that's a couple years old. I mean, I told you, I think I said I told the story. Oh, yeah, I know I told this story on the podcast because when you edited it, you cut half of the my story out, <laughs> which I, I really appreciate. Trademark. Look, man, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a storyteller and every, every word matters. The those two door short wheelbase last gen Raptors are still pretty freaking cool. And like 
I would like to go. I, I after I had that one blow up, the transmission blow up on me on the test drive. I was in San Francisco and drove my friend's four door, and was like, I could maybe roll with this. And what's funny is you can get a you can get the two door Raptors because people they're just not in demand. People yeah. just didn't want them that much. With you know twenty thirty thousand miles on them when they show up for probably what would be less than a new Ranger Raptor would be. And so I've still kind of thought about that a little bit. It's, it's, you know, it's a risky bet. I'd probably want to buy aftermarket insurance or something, but I'm like, those are a pretty fun, weird truck to just grab now for 50 grand and keep for a long time. Because like, I can't, even if we have kids or anything, like I can't imagine a future in which that truck would be too small for me. And then I could start building campers and everything else on top of it. So <laughs> we shall see. I'm literally just going to like open up Auto Trader now and go look and see. <laughs> Not a sponsor, by the way, but yeah. Do we missing anything else? I think no. this is really mostly just supposed to be a Tacoma show. Yeah, Tacomas, they're okay. I don't know. They're going to sell a lot. It's going to be fine. There's not the perfect truck. I was ready to be shocked with something that was just like so incredible, so new and different and meh. <laughs> you know what made me feel weird too is a bunch of my auto journal friends, including some people that were either out flown out to Hawaii or you know had all the information under embargo. A couple of people had been like, "Oh, you're gonna lo- you like you get pumped, like man, this is gonna be good. There's a lot of stuff," and almost universally from the auto press, including people that I feel like know about trucks and like you know I, I everybody was so like, "Oh, they nailed it! It's incredible! Like man, I love this thing!" and like. I, I, I feel a little bit like, you know, a prophet out in the wilderness just being like, I don't like, no, like, like this, <laughs> I'm not feeling what everybody else is, is feeling. And I really do think, I think a lot of it is that weird brand thing where people give Toyota and Tacomas a lot of leeway these days. Whereas for me as a former owner and still a fan, I see them for what they are. And I mean, I wrote a little piece for Autopian and this was the thrust of it. It's like, what made a Tacoma great to me was that it was not that fancy. Yeah, Like, it, it's just like, it, it, that's that to me is Tacoma and now they're fancy. And ah, I don't blame anybody, it's fine. It's totally fine if you wanna get one, like you're, it's, it's, it's certainly gonna be it's on nice par truck. with everything else, but damn it, like, it's just, that's not, it's not <laughs> I what I, it's not what I have in my head is what a Tacoma is. I wanted like a plug-in hybrid with a front locker that could rock all and, and like, you know, but yeah, I just think it seems too similar. The whole trail hunter seemed too similar to like Subaru's path with all the wilderness additions where it's like a lot of plastic, a few nice features, but mostly an appearance thing with like all these luxury little things built onto it and that the aftermarket does better but yeah i don't know they're gonna sell plenty it's gonna be a popular truck i i do wonder they didn't show a single like what is a stripped work truck do they are they even gonna sell one yeah you have to get the pre-runner that was that was no, the other sr thing. sr's sr's were that is the work truck. yeah 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 they, they'll have a manual transmission up to the sort of mid-grade engine stuff like there's no you know, high-end hybrid with a manual. Um, Dude, okay. But that they still have a manual is amazing. Right now, 2019 
certified F-150 Raptor two-door, like in Syracuse, like 150 miles from me, 56 grand. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Like a four-door would probably be going for 80 where I live, like all day long, you know, a couple years Yeah, they're not super popular on the East Coast. Uh, I mean, you know, they're fine. Like they sell fine, but like, Hmm. <laughs> hmm. That's a very large truck that's going to get 12 miles a gallon. Though. No, I think I think they're going to get like high teens and just maybe, popping around. Maybe. <laughs> Look, so, whatever. Yeah. I don't care about gas mileage. I, that, yeah. that's, I only care about gas mileage if I if it's hot. If it's low, I don't care at all. But if it's high, I want it to be higher. Like, <laughs> you know, what I, I'm, I'm serious. It's like only, that, it's like a quality in the thing. Yeah. I'm going to save some money, so I'll spend more money up front. But if you ever look at gas, yeah. that's one of the things people always over-index on. Like, fuel economy matters for the planet, and it matters for, like, you know, like, we everything should be getting more efficient. But for an individual owner, like, the amount of money you spend on gas with 20 miles a gallon to 30 miles a gallon over the lifetime of vehicle is not it's right a few, it's that a few the, thousand dollars it's that was the biggest surprise when i built fuelly was like i was like oh, i guess you would know that yes let's put all this like well we were like let's build all this incentive stuff and like let's tell people if you know you, when you drive it well you get 23 when you drive it like a monster you get 19 or whatever let's show people how much money they save and i was like it's gonna be like 20 bucks a tank it was like three dollars and fifty cents to go yeah. for like three miles a gallon like it was not a big deal i was actually super surprised by it when we crunched all the numbers although i will say i'm starting to get real pissed because ever since the pandemic you know gas is always fairly expensive out here you know it, it hovers 350 to 450 like throughout the season but they have started to do during the pandemic they started doing premium prices for premium and both of the vehicles i have take premium and it's like one because it's turbocharged and the other because I have a tune on it. And it's like 93 is just a mix. Like, you know, it's like I'll pay 10 cents more a gallon or whatever. I feel like it's fair. But yeah. like it is getting to be where it is like 75 to a dollar, oh, 75 cents Jesus. to a dollar more for premium. And I feel like so mad every time I fill it up because, it, it, you know, it comes out in the wash because you do get better gas mileage right, yeah. when you use the right gas. But it's like. I'm getting taken. I'm getting taken to the woodshed again. <laughs> My only uh, off-road miles per gallon thing is a real-world physical issue in Utah. Like one of my favorite trails requires you to have like 200 mile range, which isn't insane. Yeah. But like when you're when you're like when you're in a V8 Jeep or something, you've hopped it up and you put mud terrain tires on. Like you like 200 miles is not easy, and you start being like, wow, how can I carry five gallons or ten gallons of extra just in case, etc. Oh, but, you know what? We didn't mention that on the Tacoma, and this is also applying to all the other mid-sizes launching. Also, sidebar, we should do an episode about full-size, because I feel like both yeah. of us don't care about full-size, and a bunch of interesting full-size stuff is starting to come out yeah, again. Like, we should go do our research. Yeah. But, like, everything's on the fancy trims, 33s as stock, and it looks like, I don't know if Tacoma was official, but it looks like 35s, no trimming. Because yeah. on a Tacoma to go over 33, you used to have to cut a little edge off of the the, the cab mount chop. It was yeah, just, it was just a place chop. in the frame yeah. where you just, it wasn't a big deal. You just like cut yeah, a couple inches off. Yeah, I did it to my off. daughter's truck. But like, yeah, so 35s now are like getting to be pretty normal, which means we all have to figure out how to get 37s. 37s, right. <laughs> no, like vehicle. getting 35s on a third what second what are we in third gen tacoma it's this fucking hard you yeah. are cutting like fenders and like getting 35s on the current model that's out yeah really difficult 
And, and I say that less about like the, sh the mall crawler part of it yeah. and more in the actual performance part because at the end of the day, what people always forget about, like just like you're, you're referencing your tinker guy, like articulation, all that stuff absolutely matters. Approach angle matters. But in a practical sense, the only reason you're lifting a truck is to be able to put bigger tires on it. <laughs> yeah. And so like because bigger tires are better for off-road stuff, it, it, broadly speaking. And so, you know, there will be some real world implication to that, that all of these trucks are now rolling 33s from the factory. They will inherently be better off road than the previous yeah, generations sure. just because of the additional clearance. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Woo. We did it. We did it. Have a good trip. I'm going to break something. What? On the truck. Oh. <laughs> That's my prediction. Well, it's not a weekend unless you have done that. <laughs> it's not my truck.